You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Dr. Allison Marshall. And I'm Dr. John Langlois. And you are listening to the special monthly Chi University episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for February 27th, 2024. Good morning, Horse World. Welcome to our once a month look at traditional Chinese veterinary medicine with the Chi University. Hi, everybody. Uh, Dr. Langua and I have got a really fun podcast for you all today, we think. Um, very early on in the beginning of the Chi University podcast, we talked a little bit about how acupuncture works. And that's a question that I get from my clients a lot. Well, how does it work? Well, one of the first things that our professor, who is Chinese from birth, uh, one of the first things he says is, I do not know why this works, but I know that it works. And so we've, as humans and human research and horse research, I think in our Western science world, we've been trying to figure out how it works and what it's useful for. So John and I are going to bring a lot of fun information to you all today regarding what we know about acupuncture and sort of help you wrap your brains a little bit around how it works and things that it might be good for. So um, we hope you enjoy today's, uh, today's podcast. So John, I think one of the first things we talked about was talking about what actually an acupuncture point is. I think that's probably a great place to start. Yeah, and, and I agree. And, um, you know, just, just as a side, even before we mentioned that, you know, when students come to the Chi University to study acupuncture in their basic course, they have to learn 273 individual acupuncture points. There are overall 360 points. So these are kind of like, I like to think of them as little windows. And, you know, we have, we know that energy moves through the body and these major highways through the body. These are like little windows into that highway, almost like a, a intersection where you're getting off of I-95 or I-75, that <laughs> right intersection there is where an acupuncture point is. And these points are, you know, varying different degrees underneath the skin. They could be very close superficial, or they could be rather deep and require a larger needle to get to the source of the point. These, we understand that kind of heavy concentration of nerve endings and nerve bundles of vascular veins and so forth that are all in these areas. They are areas that have decreased electrical resistance, and we also can use the term increased electrical conductivity. So they're there to be able to get uh, any stimulus that comes into them to be able to move throughout a particular channel or throughout the body. We also like to think about, you know, when we have these acupoints, uh, what happens when we actually put a needle into them? What, what goes on in the body? And uh, there's a tremendous amount that does happen uh, just in the basics. You know, you may, if you've had any experience having acupuncture on your horse or perhaps yourself, there is a reaction when that needle gets put in, certainly from the skin. <laughs> and then after the skin, the needle can go down to various depths and you're going to get another reaction, which may be a variety of things, uh, depending on your horse and potentially what point you put in your horse might become very, very excitable to that. A lot of my clients will worry that their horse will not tolerate needles. And my my experience, I don't know about yours, is that I would say 90% of my horse patients really love their needles. So really, I think as practitioners, we find, what we do is we, we know based on what the owner tells us like your history. And if a person comes to me and they have diarrhea or they have a lameness issue, I do some diagnostics and figure out where I think I want to put needles. And then I find the point with one hand, and that's usually like a little divot in the skin. And then I'll stick the needle in with the other hand. 
And within a point or two, most horses put their heads down. I'm sure you have the same response to that. But I think that's important for our listeners to know is that there are times when the horses get excitable. But really, I think most of the time, it's not a danger to the owner. It's not a danger to the horse. These horses can feel that we're trying to help them. And I think they quiet right down. Is that your experience too? Yes. And in TCVM, we kind of look at five element theory, and which means that the elements uh, are all in all of the horses, all five elements, but some have a predominant element. So a lot of the performance, high performance horses are either wood or fire element. And interesting enough, these are tends to be the ones that are less tolerant of needles in general, your earth signs and your uh, metal signs, those tend to tolerate it much easier. But we also have to watch the horse carefully when we're doing this because sometimes when we're putting in multitude of needles, there's a multitude of stimulations and the horse may become um, a little bit, not necessarily agitated, but you'll see them perk up and kind of look around and be real bright and alert and almost to the point where they want to pace because they don't know how to interpret what's happening. And Mm -hmm. we can just dive in real quick. When we put that needle in, what we're actually looking for is a response like that. We want to, it's called the day chi response, which means that the point has been activated. And sometimes when you take that needle out in some horses, you'll see a little bump there. In humans, you might see a little bit of a red skin. There's a number of things that happen when we do this. And if you've ever had acupuncture yourself, there's a tingling sensation and kind of a numbing sensation that may occur. Uh, You kind of feel a fullness. um, And this is what we're actually looking for because this now we have gone to the level in that acupoint to get the reaction we're looking for. For sure. And I I read an interesting book not too long ago that um, there was an acupuncturist, I think it's uh, called Spark in the Machine. And that gentleman talked about how a lot of acupuncture points are based on like in utero embryology and areas that are centers of growth. So a lot of times these points are around, like you said, junctions in the body, or they're around the joint, like above and below. Um, There's a lot of acupuncture points in the head. um, And a lot of times the ones in the head are for calming. A lot of acupuncture points, I find, my clients find this interesting. There are points for the stifle up near the shoulder. There are points for the hock above the hip. So acupuncture points for certain areas don't necessarily align to a right around that joint. I think that uh, when I was a baby acupuncturist, I ended up worrying more and doing the points right around the joint. And what I realized was it's a little more powerful when you do the points away from the joint. You, we have a kind of a system where we put points near, let's say it's a hawk problem, near the hawk, away from the hawk, and then below the hawk. So acupuncture points can lie in a bunch of different places. And the cool thing is if your horse doesn't want acupuncture in on the right hip, there are lots of channels of, of energy in the body where we can put a needle in somewhere else and it affects that area, which is really awesome. I think that there are 365 points in the people and 360 points in a horse. It's really awesome because we have so many options to treat your animal that we can move into that. Sometimes the first treatment, the horses are maybe not so tolerant and the second treatment, they love it. I've had that happen plenty. I've had the reverse happen a few times as well. And I'll say again that this mention of the term day chi is very important and I actually look for it, meaning if the horse gets a little bit alert and so forth and maybe wants to walk around a little bit, this is a really good thing. And in this connectivity that Allison just mentioned, sometimes I'll put a needle in the left uh, forearm and I'll find this horse will start kicking with the right rear. Mm -hmm. And it's like, well, it tells you that this point in the front is also affecting a point in the back. It's all Making it tingle. Yep. Yeah. and, And I love when I put a needle in a specific area. And that horse's head goes down, and that means that I have gotten into a spot that was worthy, what was necessary. For sure. So one of the concepts that we learn when we are learning acupuncture is that, just like John said, there are all these highways of energy in the body. So the the TCVM, or traditional Chinese veterinary medicine, the theory is that, and for humans, it's for horses, it's for all animals, that our bodies are energetic. 
And so we have these channels of energy. If the energy gets stuck, that's what causes the problems. So part of what we're trying to do is get stuck energy moving again. And eye problems can be stuck energy. Tumors can be stuck energy. Diarrhea can be stuck energy. Cushing's disease can be stuck energy. So we are using the horse's body and the wonderful owner's history. I, I think it's really fun because I think Chinese medicine takes into consideration the history way more than I did as a Western medicine practitioner. I'll tell you that. But we take all of the history in and we're really trying to move energy in those channels. So um, that part is pretty cool too. I think that's what makes that variety so huge and how we can use the left front to affect the right hind. I almost envision sometimes these reactions as the horse is feeling a tingle or feeling an electrical flow. And a lot of times, maybe even after they have that reaction, they'll drop their head and lick and chew and go, oh, I feel so much better now. Thank you. And it goes back to the same idea when we put a needle into an acupoint what we're trying to do with this uh, connection to the main flow is get things moving. And the Chinese really feel that if there's no free flow of qi, of the energy, then there's going to be pain. And that's really where, when you're dealing with mostly musculoskeletal things, we want to get the energy moving through that channel. So by putting these needles in these points to affect the highways, we get it flowing through. And when it begins to flow through, then the pain goes away. And that's, that's, right. that's just a, sure. sim a simple basic concept that, again, when there's no flow of chi anywhere, we <laughs> call that stagnation, there's going to be pain associated with it. Well, and I find it, it's really interesting to me that through, you know, I, I got certified in acupuncture and chiropractic in 2005. So I've been doing this for 19 years and I'm John, you've probably been doing it as long or longer than me. Um, not nodding to your age at all. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> ha ha ha. Uh, but, you know, people, especially in mainstream medicine, and even in my own mind, I will be like, does this stuff really work? I believe that in 1974, President Richard Nixon went to China and one of his attaches like needed brain surgery. Correct me if I'm wrong, John, I'm going off the cuff here. But it was really while that, that publicized acupuncture period, and that's really what brought acupuncture into the United States in a bigger way. So since then, a lot of people have tried to do research. How does this work? Why does this work? We see that it works, but we don't understand it. And certainly as humans, we all try and understand things. One of the most difficult things about doing research on acupuncture is that you might have 10 different horses with diarrhea. 10 different ones. And all 10 of them in Western medicine would get the same medication for their diarrhea, or at least that would be the first line of defense. They could be 10 completely different acupuncture points or point recipe, I'll call it, um, in horses. So one of the ways, one of the reasons that it's so difficult to research acupuncture is that you can't just say, I'm going to put this point in all these animals and see if there's a response because that's the beauty of it is that it's way more specific for an individual body than our Western medicine is often. So it's hard to research it because number one, you can't pretend you give a needle to it, you know, the control group or the, the, the normals that you're looking at. And you really, that's the power and the strength of acupuncture is that it's very individualized. So it's very difficult to get a random group of horses that, and, and treat them all with the same point, because then some of them might work and some of them might not because you weren't giving the right recipe of points. I hope I made that kind of clear. Yeah, and, and, and thinking along the lines of that research, you know, it's really, really changed tremendously. Back in, I think, 2009, there were uh, maybe 500 or so papers that were written for acupuncture in, in humans and 130 for the animal. Mm -hmm. Well, back in uh, 2017, 18, there's 1,800 different papers that have been done, 800, 900 in humans and two to 300 in animals. So the research is getting done and being done, and it's been right. tremendous for us to appreciate the understanding about acupuncture and how it works, but also scientifically and evidence 
of what's, what's actually going on. For sure. Well, should we talk about a few of those really cool research projects and what they have showed us? Maybe just before we do that, in fact, what we might do is go ahead and talk about a little bit more about what goes on when you put a needle in and what actually may be able to cause, let's say from the context of pain, how that might stop any pain that's going on in the body. So I love that. Acupuncture is way more than just uh, using it for pain, although a good part of my day and I think a good part of your day out in practice, it's basically someone saying, listen, my horse is not going right. He's lame in the left front or lame in the right hind. So we have pain to deal with in more than cases we would have in diarrhea or uh, lung conditions and so on. So when we think about putting a needle in there, it immediately affects the central nervous system. And it kind of goes in from the central nervous system, travels through nerves into the spinal cord. And in the spinal cord, it gets processed either, let's just say if there's a pain, something painful in the horse, okay, like a pain stimulus, if we were to pinch it real hard or so, uh, try and cause pain, that's going to go into the spinal cord and it's going to decide there whether it goes up to the brain and gets interpreted as pain. Or there are mechanisms, and acupuncture is one, which actually blocks that ability for that pain stimulus to come from the spinal cord to the brain. So it's a beautiful thing, and that's where it all happens. And just real briefly and then simply, the gait theory speaks of the idea that when a painful stimulus comes in, goes into the spinal cord, there are mechanisms whereby it can get closed. And there's no pain being felt mm. up in the brain or no perception right. of pain, or it can be open and it flows up into the brain and then we get that painful response. So that's the, one of right. the beauties of acupuncture is that actually uh, through the spinal cord mechanisms blocks that free flow of nerves going into the, into the brain. We're learning more and more our veterinary medicine about pain. I remember when I graduated from vet school, they were routinely in small animal clinics, they were doing nothing for pain for spays and neuters. And now they're finding that even if an animal or a human is under general anesthesia for a surgery, they still do a nerve block because those nerves are actually transmitting pain and they will ramp up pain signals in the brain, even if you're under general anesthesia. So those are the kind of pathways that acupuncture can really help is that they can cut the pain off at the, at the pass, so to speak, before it gets to the brain or dampen those responses so that the brain can react less to it and have less of a painful response. So it's pretty cool um, that it's another way of approaching um, pain management. And, you know, we think about pain management as chemicals a lot from our Western medicine perspective, but it just actually acts, we're learning how it acts on the nerves themselves to help that pain. Yeah, and another another simple thing about pain modulation or changes in pain, you know, when you put that acupuncture needle in, you're going to cause a reaction through nerve fibers into the spinal cord. And in the spinal cord are going to get released, uh, we call them neurotransmitters, beta endorphins. And this also can go up into the brain for a good purpose because when Mm -hmm. it goes into the brain, it's going to release more endorphins, which are modulators of pain in the body naturally occurring. So we're not only getting a local effect from the needle and then the pathway to the spinal cord, we're also getting an effect from uh, hormones, neurotransmitters going into the brain. So there's a lot happening and, you know, we can't just use one simple mechanism for why it controls pain, because there are nervous involvements, there's uh, endocrine or hormonal environments, and there's immune components. So it sounds simple, but there are several mechanisms why it's actually working. But the idea of of controlling it through the hormones and controlling it through blocking the impulses to the brain are the biggest. For sure. And, you know, a needle anywhere in the body releases what we call endorphins, which are pain, pain helpers, you know, chemicals that dampen our pain response. So a needle anywhere does that. But they've done scientific research showing that needles in acupuncture points do that even better. And I have a a neat study in front of me that was done in 2012. It was published in the Evidence-Based Complementary Alternative Medicine Journal, and it's called Neural Acupuncture Unit, A New Concept for Interpreting Effects and Mechanisms. And on page 11... 
they've graphed the brain areas that are stimulated by different points. So they can actually put a needle in a certain acupuncture point and there's a certain area of your brain that lights up. So there's definitely nerve correlation throughout our body. You know, how in the world did the people in China figure this out 5,000 years ago? Um, that's pretty mind boggling when you think about it because they did it without all of our modern technology, but they've now found all kinds of evidence that they were right. <laughs> yeah, and it's wonderful that there's there's so many studies that have demonstrated this effect on the brain by using MRI. So you put a needle in right. for a specific problem, and it again, it just totally lights up a certain area, maybe in the hypothalamus or area of the brain, that is responsible for creating the environment for healing. So uh, so much of that's been done, and it's a beautiful thing to witness, you know, hmm. scientifically to say, yes, that needle is doing a heck of a lot more than having a local effect. Right. I, I think it goes to, it kind of speaks to the fact that as humans, um, we really know very little. You know, I, I say to my patients, I think the Western medicine approach to health corners about 10% of the knowledge, and I think this you know, holistic medicine and my experience with it corners another 10%, but it illuminates how there's 80% that we don't know on a regular basis. So I think the two, you know, the medicines that I have in my bag are, you know, those two, and I think they complement each other really well. And I think it's really important to have a complementary approach to life, but there's just a ton that we don't realize. To your point about an acupuncture needle releasing endorphins, which are the chemicals in our body, the natural painkillers in our body, the interesting thing about acupuncture too is that the, the chemicals released when you're doing acupuncture points last much longer than just regular endorphin release. So there's got to be something to the actually acupuncture points as opposed to just regular needles in the body or just a general endorphin release from exercise and all kinds of other stuff. The changes last longer. Yeah, and you know, Dr. Shea, way back in his earlier days, did a little study at the University of Florida trying to really kind of understand the idea of how a, putting a needle in might affect um, a pain. And what they did was they, they fitted a horseshoe on the bottom of, of the foot, and they actually put a little screw in there to create some pressure, indicating just a, a mild stimulus for pain. And they did it in three groups. One was the acupuncture group. Another was they got an injection of like lidocaine. And the other just had a, some saline injection. And they showed a significant change in the acupuncture group. Of course, if you use something like lidocaine, you're going to block the, the total flow of any nerve and there's not going to be any pain. But that's not really why how acupuncture works. But they found an increase in the stride length. They found the level of the beta endorphins in the acupuncture group was significantly higher. Their lameness uh, came down well over 50% using acupuncture. And even the cortisol levels, which are your hormones from the brain, also were reduced. So these studies along the way, as more and more are being done, really are, are trying to highlight for us uh, from a scientific way why acupuncture works. I've read a number of, of kind of general articles, too, of people, and there's actually one of these in the veterinary world, that set out to prove that acupuncture doesn't work. And in the process, and this the one that I read most recently was some, a person named, I think, Bruce Pomerantz, set out to prove that acupuncture had no measurable effects on the body, and after 66 papers discovered that its effect on endorphin release was stronger than most other therapeutic agents used in Western medicine. So um, it's pretty amazing. And I also think, to your point, that we use blocking to try and figure out where the problem is. And, and that's awesome. And then it's really important to try and, and what you talked about, a nerve block. We numb the area. We watch the horse jog. We'll try and say, is this in the foot? Is it in the ligaments? You know, we try and localize those sorts of things. But 
repeated acupuncture treatments, although they're gentle, can be actually stronger than a lot of other therapies in actually healing those tissues as well as killing pain, which is super cool. You know, going back to some of those little studies that we looked about, the effect on the brain, <clears throat> there's been studies that show that the more stimulation you give an acupuncture needle, the more uptake is given as witnessed in the MRI. So sometimes a greater stimulation is necessary. And I see Dr. Shea uh, do this a lot now. Instead of doing maybe his electroacupuncture for 10, 15 minutes, he may do it for 30 minutes or 40 minutes to, in order to get that deeper, stronger uh, effect into the body and the brain. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that because I don't know, it was a few years ago when I was teaching at Chi one time. I was taught, we were all sitting around and talking, uh, all of us teachers, and I, I thought I was the only one doing 30 minutes. Everybody else was doing about 10. So um, I would I would put a horse under electroacupuncture for neck problems or hind end weakness problems or Cushing's disease and let them cook for a little while while I was working on a different horse. So I'm I'm always thrilled to hear that what Dr. Shea is discovering is, you know, is really I don't know. He it's neat that he is continues to evolve in his practice and, and kind of change how he approaches stuff. Yeah, and you know, with our teaching, I'm frequently at the Chi University, so I get a chance to watch Dr. Shea work, and it's really wonderful. And just for the for the listening audience, for any of you who are anywhere in the vicinity of North Central Florida, um, you know, we Dr. Shea sees cases, and we during our teachings invite horses to come in for the day or for a class, which may be an afternoon, a few hours, and they become part of the teaching experience and. I can't tell you, uh, I'm sure you would agree, Allison, that everyone that brings their horse is just so grateful, number one. Yeah. And th then to be able to get that experience, they also are given herbs to take home, which would be according to the pattern that's done. So they get to interact with the students, they get to interact with the teachers, and it's just a great positive experience. In fact, if you do have an interest in doing it, um, reach the, the Chi University and get on a list because sometimes the, the, we have what we call frequent flyers, meaning that there's <laughs> people that like to come every chance they can and bring their animal because maybe the resources aren't there to have veterinarian come to their farm. Uh, but this is a great opportunity for them to keep their horses in good good way of going. And it's actually great for us because we get to follow up to see how did we do last time in our experience. And and just to share one more thing, in in addition to the horse, because if you've got a horse, you probably have a dog. And uh, <laughs> Chi, Chi has just opened up a state-of-the-art $6 million small animal companion hospital that oh, has everything awesome. from the Eastern and Western entity to be able to complement these two medicines together to get an effect. And it's just a, it's a wonderful thing. And the, the university is growing and growing and they have uh, even some expanded plans to put in a dormitory for international students to come in and stay. So it is ever evolving. For sure. And, and I think that we, I, as a teacher there, am so grateful for the people that would bring their horses um, because I, I find that, the horses that are there are uh, unique. If you th are thinking about bringing a horse, the thing that I would advise is to make sure that it doesn't mind being touched everywhere by our students, because I am busy teaching acupuncture points to the group of students that's assigned to me. And it's very important that they can comfortably get around the hind feet, the around the hind fetlocks, you know, up into the groin area, because there are points everywhere. And the other thing I would say is if you're thinking to yourself, well, my horse doesn't have any issues. Why would I bring him to the Chi Institute for treatment? Because you do get a free acupuncture treatment and free herbs um, to send home with you. I had the last time I was down teaching the first week of February, I had a completely normal warm blood whose owner was absolutely lovely. He was five years old. And she said she had pretty much brought him. Um, she thought he would stand really well. I was a little concerned to begin with because he was a little dancy, but he ended up being a perfect child. And even though you think your horse is normal, there are things that we can find from a Chinese medicine perspective, Chinese veterinary medicine perspective, that can rebalance them. And that's the lovely thing about TCVM too, is that we can help your horse rebalance a little bit before they have issues. Let's say they have fecal water 
every once in a while, only in the springtime. Well, you know what? That is a sign of a subtle imbalance. So if we can address that before it becomes fecal water all year round or fecal water in hotter times of the weather or whatever, or just kind of chronic diarrhea. The the neat, fun thing about TCVM is that we can use these subtle, um, subtle signs from the animal. And sometimes that is just their tongue color and their pulse diagnosis. When I started TCVM, I thought to myself, tongue and pulse diagnosis, I'm going to be laughed out of every barn in Virginia and Maryland. I am not doing that. That doesn't sound, you know, that sounds ridiculous to me. And not, not only is it on the money all the time, but I have found that if I can be very simple about listening to the owner's history and taking my TCVM physical and my regular veterinary physical, I watch them jog and I do a little neuro exam and everything. If I can be very simple about it and treat them from a Chinese medicine perspective, wow, do they get a lot better most of the time. Yeah, and I and I'm, I think you would agree in saying that I don't know that I found the 100% perfect horse. Every time we go no through a horse, we find, like you say, it may be subtle, but I think it's also important. And, you know, sometimes I, I'm fortunate to have some clients that are pretty progressive in the idea that they would rather do some preventive things. Like let's, let's go through a couple of horses that have been problems over time and once a month for, you know, every month and just take a look at them. And this is what we're doing is prevention. A lot of our times our calls are, you know, fire engine, put out the fire, there's a problem, but um, just going through and doing some balancing, some simple things uh, is, is, is just a world of good. And, you know, I deal with a lot in the, the thoroughbred racehorse, <clears throat> and we'll find situations where the trainers will go through and they'll look at the limbs and the limbs are going good and it's training really well. And this is a real sharp horse and we can't really see anything. And I go through them and their backs are sore and their, their pelvis is out of position. And I'm going, you know, we can really do a lot here to help because what That's happens right. most of the time is these things that are going up high is where the problem is. It's not a lower fetlock or a foot. It's up in the back. Or So if we go through there and, and help that areas, then we're going to be in much better position uh, to not see a torn tendon or, a, or a, a, you know, a joint um, uh, blown up or whatever, or, or a fracture. Sure. So um, I love the idea of going through these animals as a, as a preventative approach as opposed Absolutely. to fire engine. Absolutely. It is such a beautiful preventative approach. And I, I feel like I, I do, I do a small amount of racehorses compared to you, but on one of my visits last year, a trainer who I just adore, um, I had not been able to come in June. I showed up in July. She knew I was coming. Of course we had scheduled it, but she said, oh, there you are. I don't know how we've been winning without you. And I thought, oh, I know how you've been winning without me, but you know, for her to give me 30 horses a, a month, you know, 15 a day and to see, the changes that she sees in some of her best racehorses, you know, just as a matter of making them better. Um, that's, that's really exciting. I think sometimes we don't realize that they're doing the best they can with what they have, but they're compensating well. And both chiropractic and TCVM um, really can assess some of those imbalances, rebalance the body, hopefully before you have any kind of injury, catastrophic or otherwise, you know, and, and really bring horses up to their full potential. I do plenty of um, English sport horses in the general Virginia area too. So, and it's no different. You know, a lot of times I'll have people say, we can feel he's not right. And we've taken them to every vet in the world. And, you know, do you have anything that you can tell us about it? And sometimes we find something in a completely different area than what they're suspecting, which is really fun, too. Yeah. And I, you know, we get a lot of calls and I'm sure you do is, you know, what do we do next? We've, we've, we've been to, uh, right. you know, the local Western clinic, we've had this, they've, um, we've just not really seen, you know, the resolution to our problem. And, can you help? So a lot of times we're in there, it's already gone through a pretty good exam and we take a lot of the, that right. information in heart and use it uh, along For with sure. it. But, and, and one of the things that, uh, that I really enjoy is I'm, I'm hoping to, if it's received, is present a paper in December to 
uh, the American Association of Equine Practitioners on how do we actually go through and do what we call an AccuScan or evaluate through these channels, through the back, through the limbs, mm -hmm. and actually come up with an association between those points that we find and lameness and particularly in joints. So um, it's going to be fun to try and present this to the Western mind a little bit because what I'm doing is it's more Eastern in that sense. So it's going to be fun to present, but I've had several practitioners over the years say, can you show me how you do that? Because they want to learn that there may be some preliminary look through in this scanning process that says, you know what? I think it's in the foot or it's showing mm -hmm. me that it might be a problem in a soft tissue between the, the, the carpus and the, the knee and the, and the fetlock. And sure. time and time again, we kind of look good because there's about 85% reliability to finding certain points along the body as associated with a particular joint lameness. Yes, and there have been a number of studies. Um, one of them was from Dr. Sarah Lejeune, who is a surgeon at University of California Davis Veterinary School. So very high position. So to have a surgeon actually practice holistic medicine, I think is a huge compliment to medicine. And I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think she took 106 horses and used her acupuncture scan and compared them with like what they found from a Western medicine perspective. Correct. And I believe that that study showed that like 85% of, of correlation between the acupuncture scan and what was actually found. Yes, so John, why don't you tell us about the scan since you're, you're doing this paper on that and then what sort of things it can indicate because it can indicate way more than lameness. Sure. And so this is something that I do in every horse on every exam. It's just part of my, my look-see. And so I have a little $5 or $6 needle holder that I use, and you can use whatever you might like, pen cap or a, uh, if you have an acupuncture guide tube. But I use this little thing. I carry it with me in my back pocket, and I go through each horse. I start kind of in the middle of the neck where there's really no major channels, and I just want to see what the horse's sensitivity is to it. And then I go up and I'm looking for points in and around the temporal TMJ joint for maybe association with ulcers. I'm going to go through a points in the upper part of the cervical region or neck region for association of points to the foot, to the mm -hmm. fetlock, and to the carpus. So these, and we have not just one, but usually there's a multitude of points around the body that give us that power to say, I think the problem is, is here, like in the foot. And last thing I want to do is give somebody a problem without a reasonably certainty um, that this is where the area is. And oftentimes sure. it needs more, you know, research, uh, diagnostics to kind of see really what actually is going on. But I can go through and take points in the shoulder in and around. There's three or four points that if these are when I'm going across them with my little uh, needle holder, if they're reactive and we grade these reactivity one to five. One meaning just a little bit of light, a skin flick, and five being they're trying to, you know, bite and, and kick you because it's so painful. And these actually represent acupuncture points that are reactive. And so we go throughout and we can find points that are associated with the stifle, with the, with the tarsus, or the hock, with the hip. And we even have a, a point now, which thanks to the good work of um, Dr. Carlos Zamora, we, we have uh, hind limb fetlock and foot points, which we never had before. So we have a lot that we can point to to say, hey, no, this doesn't tell me exactly that that's it, but it points me in that direction to do further review, further study, further diagnostics. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah, it's a valuable part of, of my exam. And I, I sometimes I look good because I had one client a while back that uh, I was scanning and I said, I think that there's a soft tissue problem. Maybe, maybe suspensory, maybe tendon between the carpus and the fetlock. And mm -hmm. she's a really good client and of the mine. the carpus is the time. knee, everybody. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I said the carpus is the knee. <laughs> is the knee. Yes. Thank you. And so, um, so she said, I said, maybe you should have this looked at. And she had someone come over and do an ultrasound of the area that we just described. And he said, I didn't find anything. And she says, well, Dr. Langlois said it's, it's a soft tissue problem between the knee and the fetlock. And she said, okay. And she got another ultrasoundist to do it. And what he did differently is he picked the leg up and put his ultrasound probe up in him underneath the carpus 
and mm -hmm. found a tear in suspensory branch. Mm -hmm. So I kind of looked real good in that light. Say, I love that. Feeling? Well, you got that one right. And the Western practitioner is kind of like, how did he know that? And it wasn't something you could put your fingers in there and push on. It had to be found with an ultrasound. So these are the kind of things that, um, you know, help us. And that's why I'm hoping this presentation in December will get some of the Western practitioners to use the guidelines that we present and maybe incorporate them into their conventional exam. For sure. I think I thought I remembered sitting through an AEP, which is our American Association of Equine Practitioners. That's what we're talking about. And it's, we say it's American Association. I think there's probably, ah, oh, last I knew there were 6,000 members and yes. they're worldwide. So we get any, we get about 3,000 equine veterinarians at any given um, convention, which are always in the first part of December. And I swear it was as I was a baby acupuncturist. So 15 to 20 years ago, I swear I was sitting at AEP and I was listening to, they had done a poll and they had, the poll said that 33% of equine veterinarians actually practice an acupuncture scan, even though a fraction of those were trained in acupuncture. So I have worked, I enjoy shadowing other veterinarians to learn. And so because I love looking at horses move and I love lameness and I love picking other people's brains. That's what I've done in my general Virginia area is that I have shadowed other vets that, you know, specialize in lameness. And I am kind of amazed at how many of those, not enough, of course, but there's lots of them that don't, don't actually, they're not trained in acupuncture or Chinese medicine and they use the acupuncture scan because it's so reliable. And that's pretty exciting, really. Yeah, it is. And, and to take it just a little bit further, this scanning technique, let's just say we have some points that are associated with the hawk. Okay. And we say, okay, now what? Do we have to get a radiograph or an ultrasound of the hawk? What we do as practitioners is we actually use the channel and move the channel through the hawk and come back to that scanning process after that's done. And if that scan is now normal, which oftentimes it is, I can feel very comfortable to tell the owner or the trainer that you don't need to radiograph this because this is just an energetic block, just a block it's coming through the channel. And sure. so we, so, and once that clears, I say, okay, good. Well, what is about the opposite? I go ahead and I do all the acupuncture and maybe B12 injections and do, and I still don't get any clearance. Then I'm going to say, we need to look a little bit deeper diagnostically to say, why isn't it clearing? It's a much more significant concern. And why don't you go into a little bit what you mean by using the channel and clearing the channel? Okay, so we know that um, there are six major channels that come through any of the four limbs, from the foot all the way up to the elbow and stifle. There's six channels. Yeah. Let's just say back to that hawk example. Uh, there's one major channel that comes through the hawk. It's called the gallbladder channel. So what I will do is I will actually start uh, at the foot where that channel ends and put a needle in there. And what I'm doing is sending that, that impulse along that channel. Remember, that's, a, that's, a, that's an access point, an intersection point where we can get mm -hmm. to. Now we're moving that energy along the channel. And then I'll put one in locally right in around the hawk in that channel. And then I'll put one up maybe across the back or so in that same channel to try and draw the energy through and clear that energy. And like I said, we have pain when there is no flow of energy, no flow of chi. <laughs> so if we get it moving and we come back and clients love it because I say, you see, that's not there anymore. So right. we don't have to be worried about that. Yes, we have to maybe be concerned at why it got there in the first place. That's a whole nother discussion, but um, it gives us an idea that it's a minor problem. We can clear it and then on to the next one. Right. And for those of you savvy horse owners that happen to know that horses don't have a gallbladder, your question <laughs> might be, <laughs> yes. Yes. why are you using a gallbladder channel in the horse? It's because the, the gallbladder energy still exists and it is one of the best channels in the human body and the dog body and the horse body for dumping the garbage. It's a great dumping the garbage channel. So the channel still exists in the horse, even though the gallbladder doesn't. <laughs> so yes, yes. And I'll, I'll say though that, um, and I know you'll agree that this is the, I just did it, treated a horse the other day and the horse responded beautifully. I mean, it was got its head down, relaxed, did things that the owner had not even seen before. And I get a, a, a text the next day just saying, 
that was so fantastic. He's feeling so much better today. These are the rewards of our practice. And this is what keeps me um, seven, coming 73. I'm still doing it uh-huh. with the idea that it's it's for a purpose. It's helping the horse and the clients and the owners and the trainers are all grateful. For sure. So you were telling me before, we, as we were talking about the podcast and talking about what we were going to talk about, you were telling me about, um, I think it was an uh, MRI, some kind of visualization on what happens when an acupuncture needle is put in. And I really would love that link. I'll, I'll put it in the show notes for people who want to see it. But I'd love to know, um, I'd like you to explain, describe that a little bit, because I think it's fascinating. And I want to see that I couldn't find it. I can send it to you. But the, the name of the Please paper do. that this showed up on, and it has been in others, but it's the relationship of acupuncture points and oh, meridians great. to connective tissue planes. Oh, okay. So, and this well, is but that's not the video, is it? Is it the video you were talking about? No, this you were talking about it's not a video, but it's a oh, it's okay. a, a dissecting scope. It's actually done on on rat cadavers. Okay, gotcha. so it, it and what it showed is that when you put a needle in. Um, the, all of a sudden the tissue that around it, the fascial planes, the connective tissue planes, that area underneath the skin before the muscle becomes reactive. And what it does is it starts to twirl as you move the needle, it starts to twirl and it almost wraps around the entire needle. And it looks like you've got a, a tornado happening on these images. That's I thought so cool. it was most profound to see. And I, I thought I sent you a link to that one, but it's not an actual video. It's just, uh, like I say, a dissecting scope, and then there's an electron microscope of it as well. That's so cool. Uh, so I, so those are photos in that study, not a video. I was understanding that it was a video, Correct. and I, I have the reference that you gave me. So I'll make sure that that gets in the show note captions. Yeah, it's wonderful, and that's great because you know we can talk about it. But if the 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 listener gets to actually see it, they'll just have a have an understanding just in general that boy, it's not just putting a needle in. Absolutely. And I, I think it's fascinating just from a fascial perspective. You know, I took a non-veterinary myofascial release course in 2012. So I did both acupuncture and chiropractic in 2005 and I was adjusting for like seven years. And then I took a fascial class and holy cow, did that change things? And for people who don't know what fascia is, it's pretty much everything in the body that doesn't have another name. If you eat a chicken leg, you you realize that those little muscles kind of fall apart and all of the tissue in between those muscle bellies is fascia. And it actually wraps around each little muscle spindle or muscle group um, in the body. So it goes from the very small connective tissue in between things to very large things. So it wraps around all of our guts. It, it's behind our eyeballs. It's it sections off each one of our ligaments and tendons. And it actually is continuous often with the tendon. So when I went through anatomy class in veterinary school, we started trimming away all of this junk, you know, this stuff that didn't mean anything. We wanted to get down to the ligaments and bones and then muscles and arteries and veins and nerves that we had to learn. And man, all of that is fascia. And so to realize how much of that connective tissue, and that's what you talked about that makes the tornado when the needle goes in um, under the skin, all of that connective tissue is so important. And I think now, let's see, I think I read that in 2007, the human world had their first conference in fascia in, at Harvard. So the human world is just discovering that all of this, quote, garbage that we were trimming away trying to learn the big structures in the body is actually super important. And so we're now learning how much communication that his, has in the body. And I think what will follow is how much effect acupuncture and acupuncture needles has on the fascia in the body. Because that, if that's the first response of putting a needle in, is the fascia makes a tornado around it. How cool yes. is that? Yeah, <laughs> that is cool. It really is. It really is. And, you know, just, just to, to say if your horses have had acupuncture or you choose to have acupuncture, each one of those horses is an individual. They're all going to respond differently to it. I don't get concerned again if, if I put a needle in or a few needles in and the horse gets a little bit excitable. I, I actually uh, smile. That's what Dr. Mm-hmm. Shea would do. This is a good thing. So <laughs> right. I would encourage you that if you have a problem or even if you don't have a problem, have a trained TCVM practitioner 
go through and guide you a bit and perhaps help. Well, and, and, and let me say this along that similar thought process is I would say 90% of my patients like needles, but even those who don't initially like needles, I, I've, I've seen horses where it's the first time for acupuncture, they get all bug-eyed, they look a little snorty as one of my saddlebred trainers used to say, but then they settle or that first appointment is just so different for them that once they realize that the needles help them, subsequent appointments may go very smoothly. So, you know, every animal is different, but every day is different. And so I think, you know, giving things a shot and listen, I, I don't, I've learned over the years that I just don't force needles. So I, you know, came into a lot of my patients as a baby acupuncturist, 10 years into veterinary practice, but acupuncture new to me. And I would be like, okay, I know the formula. I'm going to put these 20 needles in and the horse would let me get in eight and be done. And I realized that if you just kind of let that flow and if you listen to your patient say, okay, that's all that animal can handle today, you may clear some of that pain or stagnation, as we call it in Chinese medicine. And then the horse might actually allow more needles the next time. They might really appreciate more and more as they experience the, the effects of that. So close in one more thing. And that is, sure. um, I have an ongoing case now in a, in a thoroughbred weanling that has a contracted tendon. And I saw this horse three weeks ago and I put the first needle in and he ran around like a crazy horse. And, and the guy says, you know, no, I can't vaccinate it. I can't do that. So hmm. in this case, what I do is I talk to the client and I say, let's give it a little relaxation because I'm not going to be able to get the effect. This is going to really sure. traumatize this particular young individual. He's not, they're very strong constitution. They do not want a needle in. And so I'll relax them a little bit to get my work done. And invariably, I get great, great results with that. And it's easier on them. It's easier on me. Uh, and it's a much more peaceful approach. For sure. No, and I, I think young young individuals, people, animals, uh, usually young animals don't love their needles. Yeah, it's no comprende. <laughs> For sure. Very good. Well, as always, um, you can find John and I through Chi University, which is chiu, C-H-I-U dot E-D-U. And if there, if you have any, if you want to bring your horse in for a um, acupuncture, or they do teach spinal manipulative therapy, which is another version of uh, chiropractic, we love to have horses in for those demos. Um, we really prefer some of our some of our students are mixed animal practitioners. Some of the equine students actually do a preponderance of small animal, so we do need them pretty bomb proof or pretty tractable um, for non horsey people. But we would really appreciate any of you out there that are in the Ocala area. Maybe you're coming down to WEC to show. And in general, um, most of the time when we do a treatment, they need the day of us and the day after us off. So let's say that I treat your horse today, which is February 27th to Tuesday. It would need Tuesday off and Wednesday off and then be able to go forward on Thursday. I wouldn't plan a show earlier than Friday, just in case you all are thinking along those lines of fitting in a trip to Chi around your show's career, because we would love to have you. Well, I have a quote of the day for us again um, from somebody named John. Josh Billings, I don't know who that is, but I wrote it down. Life is a grindstone, and whether it grinds a man down or polishes him up depends on the stuff he is made of. Mm -hmm.